this morning. We're currently going through a series on loving God and loving people. And today, what I'm aiming to do is take us on a journey to explore one of the most profound and transformative aspects of our faith as Christians, and that's love. Because love is actually a concept that transcends all human understanding. We can't actually fathom what love really is. Love is more than just a feeling. It's more than a verb. It's more than a noun. Love has the power to hold a man or a woman's heart captive. It also can hold their mind captive as well. Love has the power to make us do all kinds of crazy things. I've heard stories from Louisa that when Nash fell in love, the crazy things he did to keep her. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He went crazy. <laughs> love can hurt, but love can also bring so much joy to us. Everybody here knows of the wonderful Shakespearean writer um, and the play um, of Romeo and Juliet. With love so strong, it calls us to do anything for one another, even suicide. Well, the great love story of Anthony and Cleopatra, you know, love so strong that it actually divides the entire Roman world. Love is a force that can change the world. It can make us do wonderful and not so wonderful things. Love has the potential to transform hearts, mend brokenness, and create more compassion and or create a more compassionate and harmonious world. But this is not necessarily the love that I'm talking about this morning. We as Christians are called to love as God loves. It's a different kind of love, not the pursuit of love or the passionate love that we read about in books or see on the TV and that. We won't go down that track. So loving for other people regardless and that's the word, the key word, regardless. So how do we actually do this? How do we take up this challenge that we are mandated to do, loving regardless? Knowing that the nature of humans, our nature, can create a multitude of challenges to love other people. And it does. How do we love our neighbor? And more importantly, how do we love our neighbor God's way? Because there's our way of loving, and then there's God's way of loving. So when writing this message, I realized that this is a very big topic. It's too big probably to cover in, in, a, in a number of Sundays. But there are so many angles that you could take and, you know, you could share about love stories. You could share about the um, heroes and the villains throughout the ages and all those wonderful stories that can inspire us. But today, I want to talk or mainly focus on loving God's way, embracing God's way of loving unconditionally. That's the highlight for the topic for those who want to take notes. Embracing God's way of loving unconditionally. Sometimes I can come up with a gem or two, eh? Um, so I guess the best way to work this out is why don't we go directly to the source? If we want to find out about how to love his way, well, we go to the source, which is through his word. That being God himself and reading his word to get a better understanding of how do we love his way. Because firstly, love is a divine command. If we, are tru- if we truly are followers of Christ, then we will truly follow the command of our Lord and do his will. In Mark 12, uh, verse 30 to 31, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than this. You see, if we are to love God, he's called us to love him with all four parts of us that make us human. Our minds, our hearts, our souls, and our strength, physical body. And then we're to love others as ourselves. Our call to love emanates from the very heart of God's commands. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus encapsulates the essence of our duty as believers, to love God wholeheartedly and to extend that love to our neighbors. This commandment is not just a mere suggestion. It's the foundation. It's the foundation upon which our faith stands. And I believe that if you do the first command of loving God and, uh, and doing what he asks you to do, then the second command of loving others becomes slightly easier. You see, we've all heard of stories of forgiveness where the unthinkable can happen to someone, and yet they're able to forgive and they're able to love. And I believe this is because they have the first command of loving God sealed in their hearts and in their minds. And this makes the second command slightly easier to bear. Because love is a reflection on God's nature. If we look at 1 John, first, uh, 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Our love is intricately woven into the very fabric of God's character. The Apostle John declares that God is love. And when we love, we love with his divine nature. Our love is not sourced in our own capacity because our capacity is, is limited, whereas his is unlimited. But it's a manifestation of the love that we receive from the Heavenly Father. Our very nature needs to reflect God's nature of love. For some, this is quite easy. And for others, well, let's just say we're a work in progress. And I'm in that camp. We're a work in progress. And that we're working towards reflecting God's nature. So some here have heard me say in the past that I have the ability to choose to like what you do or not like what you do. However, I have been mandated to love you. I have been commanded to love you. This doesn't mean that I will do anything for you. It just means that I've been commanded by my Lord to love you like he loves you. Regardless of what you do, I need to put, a self, my, put, a self, uh, put aside self, put myself aside, and actively choose to love you, actively choose to pray for you, even though I may not like your actions or like what you do, because that's just a whole different other story. That's, that's very, very different. So when I'm reflecting through this, I was, I was sort of thinking, you know, it's nice to share sometimes some stories. And I didn't want to dig too deep because sometimes stories open up little old wounds and old calluses. And those wounds and calluses are knitted nicely together. Um, but I wouldn't say that my journey or Ruth's journey throughout our lives have been altogether cruisy. We both have had to, what I like to call, graph hard, or in Kiwi words, work hard. People know what graphing is, eh? Working hard. 
Everything that we've had to do, we've had to graph hard for it. We've had to work hard. Things don't always just, you know, naturally fall onto our plate. It doesn't just naturally seem to happen. And, and I know there's a lot of people in this room that in our camp with that, you know, for some just naturally happens. Work hard to get those A's. Yes, good. <laughs> but no, some things it does. And, but we're not, and we're not envious of that, but we've just had to work really hard. And everybody else does. Um, but ever since we can both remember, we've always been hard workers. We've always been striving. We've always had to push through. You know, I didn't go and just run a mar- half marathon. I trained for six months just about running to do that because, you know, it's an old body. It gets creaks every now and then. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. It's not that old, not that old. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of us here can resonate well with this. I can hear that. We have had to work... Um, unfortunately, in our lives with some rather difficult people. We've had some really horrible people in our lives say a lot of nasty things to us, do a lot of nasty things to us, say things about us. But yet, you know, when I look at and I reflected back on this, in every situation, Ruth and I, we chose to love them regardless. Love them like God loves them. We chose to see them through the lens and the eyes of God. It didn't mean that we had to like them. It means that we still had to love them. And I believe... It is because of this choice, because we first honored God and we honored his command, you know, it made it it easier because we loved God first and it made it easier to love others. So if there are people in your world, you know, and there will be and there are, whether it's in the past, now or in the future, that are perhaps spreading lies, they're trying to tear you down, they're saying or doing hurtful things, always maintain your composure. Don't take yourself down to their level and do what they do. Do what God says. That is, love the person, not the action. Love the person, not the action. And eventually, you know, these kind of things, these kind of people, their true nature always shows and they get seen for what they are. You know, eventually people always get caught because they get seen by who they truly are. And so my encouragement is, you know, love the person. Pray for that person. You may not necessarily, you don't need to go and hang out with them and have coffee with them, but, you know, you can still pray for that person and love on them. So regardless of what people do or say about you, if you are a follower of Christ, unfortunately, you have no choice, okay? But you are obligated to love the other person just as God loves them. But like I mentioned earlier, Liking them or their actions is a whole other story, and we won't get into that today. So love, though, if we look at love and loving God's way, it's a testimony to the whole world, right? I think it's the, when, when I look at some of the work that we do, um, or not me, sorry, our partners around the world do, the first thing that um, a lot of these communities come out and they say, you must be those Christians. Without them even opening their mouths, they go, you must be the Christians, because love is a testimony. It shows what's going on. Before they even do anything, they know. In John 13, 34 to 35, it says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And isn't that great? When we get called home and they stand there after the pearly gates open and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant or steward. You've loved others as I've loved you. Our love for one another serves as a powerful testimony to the watching world. What I find out, especially in some of the um, 
oh, look, I, I don't like labeling things like secular societies and all that, but when I go to some of these meetings with non-believers, you know, the first thing that they, they, they're watching, they're seeing, they're observing, and they notice the difference between what we do and what we say in our actions, you know? And at times in the past, I've been caught out, but I'm more conscious, more aware. So, yeah. You know, people, are, they are watching in our community. They are. And that's why I think this, this event's going to be wonderful. When we're serving on the 9th of December, they're going to see, you guys must be those Christians because you're serving, you know. And that's great. doesn't matter. We don't want the rewards, but we're just, we're showing the love. Anyway, love for one another serves as a powerful testimony to the watching world. Jesus, in his wisdom, connects the authenticity of our discipleship with our capacity to love. It is through our love that the world recognizes us as followers of Christ. Therefore, our love is not merely just for our benefit, but for the proclamation of the gospel. It opens up doors. It opens up opportunity. It, show, it is to show Jesus to the world through and by our love. Because how else can we show Jesus to the world? The call to love is not an optional accessory to our faith. It's not an optional accessory. It's not a nice little bangle or a ring on your finger. It's the very heartbeat and the foundation of our Christian journey. As we embrace God's divine mandate, let us remember that our ability to love is grounded in God's love for us first. Okay, that's ground, God's love for us first. By loving one another, we fulfill the command that he gave us. We reflect God's nature and offer a compelling witness to the world in the need in need well the world is in need in need of a transformative power of God's love so we follow those steps knowing that we have our foundations built on God's love and his command how do we then actually love in God's way so if we want to look at that let's why don't we take a look firstly at 1 Corinthians 13 this is a famous one that's normally said at weddings <laughs> but I don't know if many people actually understand it. Um, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. There's three components to this, uh, to this verse. Our journey begins with the acknowledgement that love is the cornerstone of our faith. Without love, our words, our actions, and even our achievements are empty and they're meaningless. The Apostle Paul in this letter to the Corinthians emphasizes the indispensability of love in the life of a believer. Love is not merely an emotion, it's the very essence of our Christian identity and I think that's the way we start so if you're resounding, if you're all noisy and stuff and you've got prophecy and all that without love you've got nothing you know, no matter what you do without the love, you're nothing in John 13, 34 to 35, a new command I give to you love one another as I have loved you so you must love one another by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Needless to say, love is always a choice. It's an active choice. It's a choice that we have to actively make every single day. And I think this is the beauty of the command. 
Because each morning, when I wake up, I have to actively choose my decisions. What to wear, what to do. I have to actively choose my decisions and my decisions to love others the way God wants me to love them. Even though at times, I may not necessarily feel like I need to. It's a choice that we have control over. And we do. Needless to say, the more you practice it, and the more you practice that choice, the easier it becomes to do. And why I think I like that particular thing is because God knows that with this command, you have to actively rely on him, not on self. Because on our own, well, we can't do it. So actively loving him and loving others is a choice. And it's a choice by going to him first. Just like everything in our life, if nothing, not everything comes easy. You have to work at it. And God knows and he understands that, which is great because our God is full of grace. Just because you are a Christian or you've made a decision to follow Jesus, it doesn't mean that you've automatically been given superpowers to love other people. I love that ability, but I don't think it's an ability in any of the superpowers that I've ever come across. <laughs> My kids know all of them. They keep asking, Dad, what superpower would you want? You want this? I said, look, if I had a superpower, I just want to fly. That'd be great. (laughs) Or run really fast. But anyway, we don't get those powers. Even Jesus had to make an active choice to love. You think what he went through, he still had to actively choose to love. And if you think, like I think sometimes, you know, he probably went away to his quiet times, inquired of God and said, give me the strength to love these people, please because they are doing my head in. (laughs) So it is something that we need to work on daily. And I think that is the beauty of the command from God. Because it puts daily reliance on God from us. Each day we need to actively seek to love God. And we need to actively ask Him to help us to love other people. I'm getting a smile from Louisa, but I'm not sure if that's because she's saying, God, I'm needing help today to love on someone. We'll pray. Um, Ash, <laughs> just remember those days when you were first dating and he was doting and loving. He strived. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to actively choose to love. All right, I'll stop. Each day we need to look for God and we need to ask his help. To actively choose to love in those moments or situations where we may not want to or feel like doing it, but you know, we know we need to do it. We have to do it. And to understand how we are to love, we must turn to the source of love himself, and that is to God. God's love is sacrificial, it's unconditional, and it's boundless. It's not based on any merit, and it's not based on anybody deserving it. It's given freely. As followers of Christ, we are called to mirror this divine love in our relationship with others. They don't need to earn our love, right? If we follow God's example, therefore as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. In Ephesians 5. God's love extends to all, even those whom society deem the unlovable. As Christians, we are challenged to love without discrimination and without judgment. In Matthew 5, verse 43 to 48, Jesus teaches us to love our enemies praying for those who persecute us. And this radical love transforms not only our hearts, but it transforms the world around us. He says, You've heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. How profound. 
And just take a moment to think about that. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Like if you think about that, that is a big, big challenge. So let us strive to love as God loves. You know, we love unconditionally. We love sacrificially and without boundaries. Our ability to love in this way is not dependent on our own strength, but on the transformative power of God's love working within us. As we navigate our lives, let love be the lens through which we view other people. I need to clean those. Um, Extending grace, extending forgiveness, and embodying the very nature of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because, you know, my prayer for all of us, not just here, but for everyone, is that the love of God dwells richly within us, enabling us to love one another as he loves us. I might get Ash and the ladies up, if that's all right. So my challenge this morning, as these guys prepare for our, our, our song to, to finish the, the, not the evening, the morning service off, is for those also listening in on the podcast, who in your world do you need to actively make a decision to say, no, I will stop saying this or feeling this way about them, but say to God, God, help me to see this person the way you see them. Help me to make a conscious choice to forgive them, to pray for them, and to love them like you do. This doesn't mean that you need to be their best friend. doesn't mean you need to hang out with them but to clear your heart and your mind of anything untoward somebody else and to choose to love them as your Lord has commanded you to do. So as we sing this final song, which is Jehovah, I believe. Great, great song. You know, think about who is it that God's speaking to you in your world. And it's, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy. But this is why we rely on him. Because he will give us the strength to do it. Amen.